0: This episode of 12-Pack Radio is made possible by Nextiva, the official communications partner of the Pac-12, and the best business phone service, is chosen by U.S. News and World Report. Nextiva helps everybody all over Pac-12 countries stay connected using one easy-to-use app. Get the full suite, everything you wanted and more, cloud phone service in your face. Nextiva.com slash 12-Pack to get started. Nextiva.com slash 12-Pack to get started. Oh, South awesome. Yes, it is. For
1: 12 Pack Radio, get excited, y'all.
0: Welcome back, everyone, to 12 Pack Radio, your podcast source for Pac 12 football news, the home of the beta college football statistical model. This is a Pac 12 sharp college football podcast. You know it. And I'm, I'm sad, Rob. I'm joined, as always, by Rob Barron, the official guru of statistics for college football and the owner president founder of sharpcollegefootball.com and rob my entire newsfeed is filled up with college basketball and it is depressing and it is beneath me and i don't know what to do how are you sir
1: (laughs) i feel i feel you because it feels like even um there are there are a lot of uh college football beat writers and um know folks that cover the sport nationally too, that do double duty right they'll often also be covering you know the basketball beat to some extent or retweeting um you know whoever the basketball writer is for the paper and so all of a sudden it's just this big switch and it's like oh here's a here's a bunch of college basketball from people (laughs) and then if they're not if they're just the football beat writer then it just feels like they're talking about the pro playoffs and they're like, I, yeah, it's what could, could, could we just like filter this to when occasionally someone tweets out a transfer or
0: I have so many filters on LeBron James, NBA, the Suns, like you name it. Wordle. I, I... <laughs>
1: I have, I have, I have a mute on Wordle.
0: <laughs> oh, that's so funny.
1: <laughs> I also, I also have a mute on, um, people are like one to try to catch most people arguing about the college football playoff expansion. Cause I just don't, I don't.
0: Oh yeah. I don't want to hear
1: it. I don't want to hear yeah. it. I don't I don't I don't care.
0: That's a good one. <laughs> and there's a couple agitators out there that are just really trying yeah. to turn to, you know, stick the finger in the eye. No, I I got you. And and look. I, I am. I started as a college uh, basketball fan, so I love March Madness. I'm a huge fan of this Arizona team. I love when the Pac-12 is good, and like it's pretty cool. You know, as always, Oregon. You know, whenever everybody's like, "Oh, this is the team that Dane Altman didn't get together," and then lo and behold, every January it's like, "Boop, boop, boop, boop!" Like they eat the mushroom yeah. and Mario, and then they become this super team. So, it, like the one thing I'm excited about is the fact that there are four like legit teams, in the Pac-12 that will be in the tournament. It's just more the the rest of the conference is so bad, and so like you know I'm seeing live feeds of U- Utah versus you know Washington basketball, and I'm like somebody stab me with a fork right now. <laughs> so yeah. all that to say, we, yeah, this is a college football podcast, and there is some news, and that's kind of what we've been cycling through. I've been really trying to get um, as much transfer news as possible. And Rob, last week we talked about kind of the the quarterback. You know, musical chairs game, as you will. And then this year, or this week, we still have some news from the Transfer Portal. We also have uh, an extension for Chip Kelly. It, for a while, looked like, um, I don't know if anybody watched the the original pirates of the caribbean where johnny depp is on like the top of the ship and like it slowly sinks into the ocean and he steps off of uh the ship on the dock that kind of was what the coaching staff at ucla looked at as everybody was leaving but the uh last man standing was chip kelly who got an extension wrap
1: yeah and you know the the clue was of course when you know as you know was it was sort of announced that he would not be coming back that he was going to resign um that kind of news. You don't, you don't announce that and then not have Kelly figure you know, figure out the extension. Now they did figure it out at sort of the last minute. Um, but it's interesting. I mean, so Kelly gets the extension. I think he's actually making less per year than he was in the final year of his contract this time around. Huh. <laughs> um, but it's, uh, he's in it. I mean, I don't want to like, I mean, it's good news. I think for you still in some sense, like he's really started to figure out the offense and get that put together there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think if you're a UCLA fan, the fact that the defensive coordinator job is open and there's the potential to really, you know, maybe get a step change improvement with the right hire in there, you have to feel pretty good. Cause like, like the offense wasn't bad last season at all, um, you know, in beta rank. So, I mean, there's, there's definite room to, to feel good, but as you talked about, I mean, they've lost so many guys off that staff. Um, And, and we joke around, of course, about the fact that, you know, UCLA, you know, under Kelly hasn't recruited particularly well um, and that they have, you know, and that they're And they basically had some of their best recruiters rated by Arizona. Um, Their offensive line coach, who is probably, I would say, their best position coach on the team, Um, you know, was picked up by Ohio State. I'm a really good pickup for Ohio State. Um, And then there's a couple, I mean, so he's got four, four spots open, um, on the staff still to fill, which is, and, and we're kind of late in the game, you know, like a lot of guys are, are sort of set where they're at. I'm not saying like UCLA should be able to come in and pick up some guys, you know, that might be at a lower level, but, um, without really going out and out bidding somebody, which traditionally UCLA has not invested that kind of money, you're not going to expect them to be able to go at this point and just pick off people from, you know, uh, other power five staffs.
0: Yeah, it, it's very Chip Kelly. Like, th- this whole offseason doesn't surprise me, right? From the, oh, just kidding, we're not playing this bowl game five minutes before the <laughs> kickoff time to, ah, I mean, like, maybe I'll come back to, well, I guess I got to put together a staff. Like, it just, it all strikes me as very somebody that uh, knows that he's talented, but also doesn't want to put in the work to hit the highest levels. And I, I hope he puts together a really good staff because you're right. I think the the offense obviously took a step forward. You have DTR returning for his seventh year or whatever it is. And there are some interesting pieces, but I'll, I mean, what does the staff look like this late? And and there's, we we talked before the podcast, Chase Coda enters the transfer portal. Now you're missing, you know, th- two of your top wide receivers, even though Coda wasn't a huge part of the offense. He was a big body. Greg Dulcich is gone you lose your offensive line coach. I think UCLA's in a decent position given where it's come from, but it right. it seems like Kelly's making this more diff- like he's he's turned uh, at, uh like by himself, he's made the um he's made this harder than it probably should be uh given his talent and just his knowledge of the game. I don't know, is that is that fair or is he just a victim of circumstance? Well, I mean it does... it <laughs>
1: It is strange for a guy that was coming off a pretty, you know, decent turnaround season at UCLA, um, you know, to, to have, you know, with the administration for it to take this long for them to get the extension done. Right. Like that's strange. Um, you know, knowing you're going to extend them, you know, and, and it taking this long to come to terms, um, I think is odd, but it's odd to have seen the kind of staff departures that we've seen, because it's not as if, you know, and like we've talked about, it's not as if what we've seen is guys jumping to go to, they're not all Justin Fry going to Ohio state to be the offensive line coach there. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, like, that's true. um, you know, some of the moves, you know, have been pretty lateral. Um, and they're not necessarily going to places. I mean, and UCLA is not a big spender, but you know, they're not necessarily going to places that are really big spenders. And you kind of looked at, you know, with other than the departure of Azanaro, like you kind of looked at the, a lot of the departures and you kind of thought like, man, like our guys jumping ship. Cause they don't think Kelly's going to get an extension. Yeah. <laughs> um, Cause you see that sometimes, right? Like you see guys, uh, you know, when it starts to look like it becomes a lame duck staff. Um, you know, guys start shopping their resumes and they start looking for their next job.
0: Oh, and I, I mean, so the- yeah, and that's totally natural and it makes sense. Yeah, that that's why I was like, you know, I had my spidey senses out for Kelly. And then you hear, yeah. oh, they're kind of debating a contract. And I was like, well, are they debating having a contract or are they debating the, the length of the extension of the contract? And I kind of didn't right. know until Asanara when he stepped down. I thought, OK, that's probably, you know, it seems like they were going to keep him.
1: Well, you know, Kelly is a, I mean, he has an agent. It's not like Kelly's like sitting there, you know, negotiating this personally or something like that. Right. It's not like they couldn't knock this out during the season, um, you know, negotiating between the AD and his agent. Um, It is just, it's just strange, you know, to, to, to have this go down like it did, because you know, you really feel like if, you know, with the moves that got made sort of, on the staff, like he's got some, he's got some, I mean, and this isn't a staff that recruited particularly well. I mean, UCLA still has some decent draw to it, but, um, you know, he's got to go out and find some guys that can really recruit LA, um, and the West, because I mean, if you look at the guys that got poached even by Arizona and like Nansen and Kafusi, those are guys that recruit well, um, you know, and, and, and Kelly's got to go out and find guys that can can replicate that and replace that on the staff. And I mean, even we ha- we didn't see UCLA try to make any moves really on guys that, you know, there some of the names that maybe you would have thought about off of, you know, Washington or Oregon or USC staff, you know, like most of the guys that were really good recruiters on those staffs got locked up. You know, like if Joe Salavea is going to to Miami, you know, like there's a guy that UCLA could have or should have really made a big offer to, to stay on the West coast and fill their defensive line coach role. And they didn't, you know, he's off to, you know, they could have replaced Johnny Manson with, you know, Joe Salavea and, and chose not to.
0: Yeah. I mean, th- the good thing is there's stability, right? You have your head coach, yeah. he's putting his staff together, but um, well, I listen to another podcast where they always talk about, I think it's Steve Einhorn, who rather than just investing in Apple, he has to put together like some SPAC in order to buy half of Universal Universal Music Group. Plus, the, like he just makes it's just all you have to do is just buy Apple. You <laughs> like you make the, the level of difficulty way too hard uh, for no particular reason. I'm hoping that the staff is better, right? Like, cause you are, you are right. A lot of the coaches that ended up leaving left for reasons of like, you know, they didn't go to the big programs. They went to other programs. Um, so, you know, maybe he's clearing out some dead wood and he has some other yeah. names in mind, and we'll see we'll see. We'll keep an eye on it. Um, these are going to be the last coordinator hires that we'll have for the year, so um, something to keep an eye on. Yeah you know, Rob, when we were looking through and kind of scrolling through the news feed, there was a couple other transfer items that popped up. Uh, anyone you want to cover?
1: And we talked about Chase Cota. Um, you know that, that it's interesting because they did get <clears throat> DTR coming back, Zach Charbonnet is coming back.
0: That was a big one. Um,
1: yeah. 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 But with, you know, with, uh, Kyle Phillips and, and Greg Dulcich both leaving, um, you would have really thought that there's maybe not. The, I mean, chase Cota hasn't really broken out for UCLA LA at any point or anything like that, but you'd have thought they would have, he would have had an opportunity really to, to kind of step up of course, cause you know, most of their receiving reps or, or, receptions are, are out the door, um, And he chose not to, (laughs) and and they did get a good transfer from Duke, um, you know, coming in that I I think they like, and has a good shot to start for them. But, and it's true. I mean, the other, I mean, it's not like, I mean, it's not like there's a ton of receptions to go around in that offense to begin with. And the tight end is going to take up a lot of them, um, for sure. Uh, Arizona state got another transfer, Paul Tyson, um, the great grandson of bear Bryant. <laughs>
0: it's going to revigorate <laughs> a former, the program.
1: Yeah. A, a former four star recruit. Um, didn't see, I mean, I think he saw a little bit of time, um, this past season, not a lot, uh, is transferring to Arizona state, which is good. I mean, we talked about, um, you know, earlier this year that, uh, you know, that I, I thought Arizona state needed to bring in somebody, not just to back up Daniels, but to challenge him, um, and to potentially put some pressure on him. Um, and, and from the looks of it, from at least the, the scouting reports on him when he was a prospect, and it certainly can't hurt having, having gone through practices at Alabama, um, you know, the potential to really put some pressure on Daniels. Cause the, you know, despite, um, and I think, you know, Daniel still definitely has some really vocal supporters, but I think the the play really hasn't been there. And I think there are definitely some points where he's holding back the offense. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's a, it's a good thing for them having, uh, you know, Tyson come in.
0: Yeah, good competition there. And if you listen to the guys that actually cover ASU, I mean, there is a big difference between what they say and what some of the fan base says. You know, our friend Ralph Amston has been on top of this in terms of the... Just the production in general, like the number of touchdowns that have gone through the hands of uh, Jaden Daniels, there hasn't been a lot of uh, a lot of offense through the air in terms of actually scoring points, and that's a problem. So the more that they can have some competition there, I think the better. But that program still has a significant way to go in terms of filling in the number of players that they're losing, and then they have the sanctions that are gonna that those are gonna come down like soon. I don't think that's one of those that's gonna be sitting around for the next two years. I mean, like they were messing with rules in the middle of COVID. And I think that's a problem. So um, I just feel like that program probably needs a change ASAP, but uh, the more they can fill in the better. They just got a wider running back from Wyoming, like we talked about last week. So they are slowly putting together the pieces, but they're, they still got some ways to go.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're, they, they need to be more active. We talked about this last time and it's, it's good to see that maybe it's starting to pick up for them more active in the transfer portal um, in, in you know, filling holes. You know, I don't think they've even had their notice of allegations yet from the NCAA. Oh. So, I mean, my expectation is that this is not, I mean, it's funny because <laughs> we certainly know this from the college basketball scandal, right? Yeah. Like they, they created that committee, uh, that sort of side route, um, which was supposed to speed up the enforcement process. But the, but, and it also took it, it was sort of exterior to the NCAA. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: but it was also supposed to be, uh, you couldn't, if you chose that route, you could not appeal. Um, and instead it's, instead of speeding things up, it's taken way, way longer. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Those are taking forever, uh, going that route. But I mean, I, I would expect like ASU probably, um, both from the dossier and then like the NCAA has been conducting interviews. Um, I would expect ASU's probably expecting the notice of allegations sometime this spring. Um, then they'll get a chance to respond to it. And then the NCAA will make a decision, um, you know, you know, I think based on that and um, you know, my, uh, my guess is that Arizona state will probably go the more conventional route. It seems to be going faster than going this other direction um, where you can't, and also where you can't appeal. So, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think we could know, I think I would expect we would know probably a, maybe a decision by the Institute of t- sometime in the summer. I mean, I know it sounds like a long time away and it is, um, you know, but that's probably like, you, if you're ASU, you, you really want the, the, the timing to be, you know, not as like to give you a shot. If you have to take out like a coordinator or something like that, who gets a show cause um, you really want to have an opportunity to do that. Like, you know, before the season or, you know, not in the middle of the season.
0: And it's just wild how, you know, this, and this happened with other schools, you know, with Arizona and other teams where it's just kind of like, Man, it's been a long time. <laughs> Can we just figure out what the punishment is and just move on? But because yeah. uh, I just assumed given the reports from ASU that this would be more of a like a bat to the wrist rather than a slap on the wrist in a quick one. But you're right. You I mean like when it comes to the NCAA, nothing's going to yeah, nothing's going to make sense and it's going to take a while and and it is what it is. But with all that said, another quarterback in the Roster for ASU. Any other transfer news, Rob?
1: No, I mean just uh Jackson Dart is is visiting Old Miss. Still no puffs of white smoke on Caleb Williams. Um (laughs) which I mean it's I mean like we we talked about a little bit. It's like it's like ninety percent, I would say, that he goes to USC, right? Um but man, like that ten percent chance that he doesn't. And like USC is just scrambling to try to get somebody because, uh, you know, you really need somebody to to go through spring practice unless you have a really simple system or a system that they're familiar with. Um, you know, like you need the you need them to have the spring so they can be ready to go for, for fall, you know, for, for games. Um, and I just, you know, USC would be, it would be the plum job available, but they're also, not they don't appear to be in on or getting a lot of consideration or really reaching out to anybody beyond Williams right like there are other QBs you know out doing visits um you know places like Oklahoma and uh USC isn't reaching out to a lot of those guys
0: that is pretty wild and I don't know if we covered it but the Oklahoma transfer Mario Williams has committed who was a four-star wide receiver so you know, slowly but surely, USC is scooping up a lot of the talent that um, Lincoln Riley had had accumulated at, at Oklahoma, much of it from the Los Angeles area. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how many more transfers they're able to pick up as they're working on Williams. Um, I mean, there's not much else to cover except, I mean, we're doing our postmortems this week, Rob. So we're going to get to Washington State. Anything else we should cover before that? Uh.
1: No, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, I, I think we've got, I can't think of anything. Like we'll cover, you know, um, of course the, you know, the, the coordinator when it gets filled at UCLA, um, and you know, as they bring in position coaches, um, and then we'll do, when we do the Stanford postmortem we can. Uh, gnash our teeth at the fact that there are no coordinator changes announced.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, we'll keep an eye on that. All right, let's get to Washington State, a program that uh, had, a, had a pretty good year. So, a lot, to, a lot of fun stuff to report. Let's get to it right after this.
1: I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm
0: Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore dealmaking across sports, media, and entertainment that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not as job. simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, we are back. And we're talking Washington State. And Rob, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come out hot out of the gate here. I'm going to throw an idea out at you. but I'm, And I'm curious what you think. The departure, all the vaccine stuff says I just X's and O's. The departure of oh my gosh, who's the coach's name? Isn't that crazy? Nick Rolovich. Nick Rolovich, yeah. The departure of Nick Rolovich hurts more than it looks like on paper. Is that what what do you think about that idea? Because, like, here's why. Um, I do think that there was a culture that he was starting to set up there. The offense was interesting and it was starting to move forward. He made the hire of Dickert, right? That was his decision to look out. It's like kind of the stuff yeah. that we were criticizing other coaches for like, Hey, why don't you maybe look out at the mountain West and see what they got there rather than hiring internally a defensive coordinator. Well, he goes and does that. He picks a right. good defensive coordinator up. But um, well, I mean, in fairness, like he also,
1: when he came in, he was bringing in what had been the best offense in the mountain West and yes. he said, oh, let me go make, who is the toughest defense I had to play?
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, and that, and that kind of goes to my point too, right? Because it wasn't just Rolovich that ended up leaving. It was like the quarterback's coach and the co-offensive. Yeah. Like there was a, a number of offensive guys that left. And yes, the offense was strong when he left but does that hold? I just, and I don't like, I don't know if I believe that I'm just more at least throwing out the idea so we can talk about it because he really did. I I do think that he was starting to get something going and for all the praise that we've put on Dickert and it's rightly so that we did that, you know, like he got put in a weird spot. The coach leaves half the staff leaves and like, and he comes in and keeps that culture in place and now goes out, gets the incarnate word guy. And you know, it seems like there's some things going, but is it going to, are we going to look back in a year and go, oh man, actually, th- that, n- not sh- he should come back, but more just, oh, that stung more than we had anticipated? I kind of feel like almost that, that kind of um, Carl Durrell, like we look back, you know, last year, go, oh, that was actually kind of interesting. Now we look forward, and we're like, ooh, um, you know, and I, I, that is on a whole nother plane. So I do in no way want to <laughs> compare Dickert to Carl Durrell, but more that, like, you know, it was a weird year, a bizarre year, and he made the most of it. Can you do it again, given all the people that have left?
1: I mean, it's a weird, I mean, it's an odd one. I mean, like, and I, I I will try to separate the egregious stupidity of <laughs> all the anti-vax stuff from, um, from Rolovich choosing to basically give up, you know, one of like 65 power five jobs. But, um, you know, I think it, here's the thing. Here's the thing about like the Dickert hire was far and away his star hire, and it was clear, you know, in in it was. I mean, you could argue. I think in the data, it was pretty clear in year one that Dickert was making a difference. Year two, I mean, we yeah. hadn't seen it. We hadn't seen a defense like that since Alex Grinch was there. Um, and that's hard. I mean it's really hard to put together a good defense up in Pullman. And so, you know, uh, kudos to Dickert.
0: And and but, to to your point too, it's just to add on to it. It's not like they were recruiting even like a lot of uh, a lot of top in 3 star guys. Like they're just bringing in players and developing them. And that, and that yeah. so to to that to your point. Yeah, I mean like so it wasn't just that he he had all this this great talent and he made the most of it. Like they had to grind that defense out and do what Oregon State wasn't able to do.
1: Yeah. And I like the, uh, but I do want to say like the the offense struggled earlier this season when Rolovich was there, um, they ended up shifting around play callers, trying to get it right. Um, for reasons and look, I, I mean, I, 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 we all look at these coaches like they're omnipotent and things like that. And there's definitely like the cult of the coach, but certainly when it comes to like picking the right QB to play, I feel like at this point, I (laughs) I just, I, I have no tolerance literally at all anymore for, um, anyone when they've got a QB in there, who's not really getting the job done. And you know, the argument that like, Oh, the staff knows they see them at practice every day because like, Truly, truthfully. And you know, you and I got to see this a bit like with Arizona, cause uh we saw the Matt Scott Nick Foles competition. Yeah. Um and Matt Scott was a far better practice player than Nick Foles. Nick Foles has a <laughs> long standing reputation, has not really turned it on his A game and practice. And um it would get beat out by Matt Scott. Like a couple times, and then like game time would come around, and Scott Scott would be okay. Like I think he developed later on, but Foles would come in and just light it up because like you turn on the lights, and Nick Foles just like, oh, it's go time. Yeah. Um, we have seen this (laughs) a couple times, and so I just I know like I never want to hear anyone anyone be like, oh, you know like they see what people have in practice, right? Like, uh, you know, they made the wrong choice. Like Garantano was not good. Delora was like Delora made the engine go. Um, now when it was odd because when, um, they had to do all those firings. Um, the guy that was the play caller had to go, um, the second, the, the it was the second play caller of the season. And then, uh, Dickert, in order to fill with somebody that actually knew the run and shoot, um, had to bring back, uh, Smith as the play caller, which, you know, and the offense actually got better again with Rolovich gone. Um, you know, maybe it was Smith feeling more free to call plays. Rolovich was an offensive coordinator in his own right. Um, you know, who was not originally a run and shoot guy. Uh, but with Rolovich gone, it seemed to open things up and be a little more free flowing. Um, so I like, look, I, I mean, you and I both, and I, I mean, thought it was a great hire when they hired Nick Rolovich. I mean, I thought this, I thought him bringing in the run and shoot, you know, him have it, you know, the hire of Dickert, I thought was good. Um, so, you know, hindsight, you know, I still think that, I, I mean, I think where they've ended up though, you know, through that and, 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 figuring out some of Rolovich's limitations maybe on the offensive side of the ball and then realizing where the star was on that staff, which was apparently Dickert. Um, I don't know. I mean, would you, if you could go back and do it again, should they hire Rolovich with they did? You bet. You know, like to get to where they are now, though. Like I think they're in a better spot.
0: Yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see because I was really impressed by the train keep kept going, right? And yeah, and I don't know if I bet against Washington State, but when the news came out that they lost, like basically anybody that had called plays there, I was like, oh no, <laughs> like that, that's terrible. Yeah, now you have this defense coach the defensive coach that you know like oftentimes the defensive coach wants wants the ball to be you know run over and over and over again all right I'm going to trust my defense I'm going to trust special teams and that didn't necessarily happen I, I think that the defense you know the offense was was pretty good and I'm just curious to see what we see next year because overall I thought it was going to take another year and I I think I was more bullish than a a lot of people in Washington state this year, but I still thought that they were a year away from making a bowl and, and here they are like in the midst of turmoil and all this stuff going on. And it just seems like they are in a really strong spot for the coming year. You have a lot of turmoil and other programs. You have a lot of change throughout the conference. Um, Yes, they lost Jaden DeLora, but now the offensive coordinator that they they picked up has his quarterback from his previous school. And and like you mentioned, Rob on the on well, which one do you want to talk you want to talk defense or offense first because uh both of them were were pretty decent this year.
1: Yeah, I mean I I think offense. I mean, let's start there because they bring in Eric Morris. And that means they're going back to the air raid. <laughs> you know.
0: So one um, year break.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, like they have a two, like two year, yeah, two year, one and a half year one year four games or whatever <laughs> interlude with the run and shoot. And now they're going back to the air raid. And I think you, I mean, if you remember like the, <clears throat> what we talked about with Hippoliday um, and, and we've certainly talked with others about is, you know, the kind of guys you recruit in, um, you know, line wise to run the air raid versus, you know, the run and shoot is, is a different body type. And they still had all these air raid, Offensive line body types in place, you know, that was a, if there was a big, will this work? It was really all built around, like, can the offensive line transition to the run and shoot? And I mean, that said it, for the most part still did. Um, But I think still given their personnel, the air raid might be a better fit. Um, and they've done a Washington state has just done an unbelievable job of developing NFL level offensive linemen. Um, you know, given how they're, you know, given where those guys come in
0: recruiting wise. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Keep going. Sorry.
1: But yeah, I mean, I'm excited. I mean, like, you know, this guy, they're bringing in Eric Morris for, from, you know, incarnate word is um, he's a, you know, he, he led one of the best offenses in the FCS. Um, you know, and, and if you can get, I mean, and I think this is true, I mean, if you don't have to run, you know, the, I get, I get bored with like the true Scotsman fallacy, like you're not running the true air raid, right? Like whatever, (laughs) like the, the, you know, you don't have to be running like the Mike Leach version of the air raid, but like, if you're a slick play caller and are incorporating, you know, other very, you know, other, you know, Other, like I mean, one of the things that like Lincoln Riley's done with the Air Raid is update it with a power run game, um, and a tight end because he can recruit those kind of guys at Oklahoma and now USC. I mean, there's a lot you could do around the Air Raid that's not just like the pure Mike Leach version. Um, But they're going to get out there and throw the ball, and I'm I'm excited to see that come back. You know, and and uh, and I, I think it fits their personnel. And as we saw with Western Kentucky, I mean, getting Cam Ward, you know, basically like plug and play, along with your offensive coordinator, can really work.
0: Yeah, the, the thing that I'm interested in is to see what happens with this team without a couple of the pieces together, right? So Travell Harris, who I loved, ends up uh, he declared for the draft. Calvin Jackson Jr. Is gone. You have Max Borgie is gone. And if there's one thing that Mike Leach did really well when it came to recruiting, like you you really didn't see the big pops, which which is expected, right? You I mean you always try to and I and we try to do this, and maybe we're even more tough on some of the teams that we think should be better because they have like the infrastructure, but you always try to see recruiting through the lens of like what could this team be at its best and at its normal. And you know, Leach for the most part, lots of two and three star guys that they developed. And, and, uh, you know, some of those players did quite well under, under the program and in the system, the two places he recruited super well quarterback and wide receiver. And that has not happened this year for Washington state. And as I recall the previous year, you didn't have as many of the stars. I know there was like a a transfer to from, from Hawaii. Um, So, you know what, I know they're going to the air raid, but you, you do, and it's all about getting guys in space. But still, you know, what what kind of talent did they have there, given that there was a number of wide receivers that transferred out once um, Rolovich got in? Right. They wanted to leave the system. Yeah. The guy that yeah. ends up going to uh, Oklahoma State and tearing it up there. And um, I don't know. I, I'm just does that give you any work? i worry? Mean, doing
1: incredible work with a terrible quarterback in Spencer Sanders. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I
0: know he took over. Tay Martin,
1: like did, a, did worked his worked his butt off uh, in a bad offense.
0: Oh no, I totally agree with you. And like, was just a monster. I mean, he won the. I think it was the Fiesta Bowl for, uh, yeah. for Oklahoma State in that game, which was pretty awesome. So I'm, I'm just curious. To, like, does that give you any pause? Because I don't even know if Dion McIntosh is coming back I have to check that because the problem is with this year because you have the COVID year so everybody's listed as redshirt seniors and you just don't know who's returning so I apologize Well, yeah. like we'll keep updating this stuff as we go but all that to say like if Dion McIntosh is like what you're leaning on the in the running game and I know it's the air raid you still need a, at least a, a decent running back and some interesting wide receivers I mean we'll see if they have that he's pretty good I mean McIntosh is pretty good
1: he's not Max Borgie but he's still good yeah um I mean he was a good pickup when they got him you know, if he still has eligibility available, that's great. Uh, yeah, they didn't really fill it in and it doesn't look like they filled it in on the transfer portal. Um, and they haven't really filled it in, you know, certainly with this recruiting class, um, you know, at wide receiver, I think Ward, Ward's, Ward's a real get, I mean, he is rated as a four star, you know, 93, um, you know, coming in, you know, he certainly looked at, you know, and had visits at Old Miss and you know uh, some other big names out there. I mean again like a really good get for Washington State, but I think your question's valid really at the wide receiver spot. We always sort of assume they've got a bunch of guys that are just going to be fine.
0: Yeah. <laughs> ready to play.
1: <laughs> um but they don't, I mean they they may need to be really active in the portal, but you know Washington State traditionally and I think this is true too, I don't think they have to go out and get names out of the portal, right. For it to work. You know, I think, th- I think that they're fine getting guys that <clears throat> can come in and be good route runners and, and know what they have to do. Um, I, th- I think the offense can work. The offense really, I mean, the offense finished at 36 overall in beta rank um, this past season. Um, and like I said, like really kind of put it together when they did the switch, but they were pretty good throwing the football. They were number 17 and effective pass. Um, you know, throwing the ball around. So, you know, the questions, of course, are like, you know, who is really coming back? Um, You know, Travell Harris and and Calvin Jackson were really their big names. Um, But there are plenty of other receptions to go around. Deshaun Stribbling had a really big year. You'd expect him to really break out.
0: Yeah, I mean, Cameron Ward, I'm I'm going to assume that he's going to run the offense as good at or better than Delora because, you know, Delora was – I liked Delore a lot, but he could kind of be a space cadet sometimes out there and and yeah. I know there were some issues behind the scenes about grades and all that stuff. So, it seems like Ward with his own offensive coordinator, you know, in a system that's designed to get the ball out fairly quickly, like the offensive line if they have any issues next year, maybe they're minimized a little bit. Um I'm just, I'm just interested in the skill positions to see if they have the, the horses to be able to go out there and be effective this year. Um, and, and whether or not Dickert can start bringing in some wide receivers that, you know, are able to take care of business because you're right. Like there were a number of wide receivers in that air raid system at our leech that were walk-ons and people we had never heard of and stuff. And he just knew what he was looking for. So we need to see if this staff at the wide receiving position knows what they're going to look for because they're going to need it. Um, But on the other side, Rob, I mean, you have a defense that went from, you know, the 80s to the 30s under Jake Dickert and with little talent you know on paper now they there there were proven players you know but from like a you know recruiting rankings position you know was jihad woods you know a blue chip you know th- there's all those players out there that ended up being really fun um a lot of them stayed for their fifth year <laughs> you know I think jihad wood was on his like sixth year for Washington state so they're going to lose some talent but if I'm, it's so funny because if I'm going to lean on one thing, I'm going to lean on the defense here because it's possible that this staff is really the real deal where they're able to bring in players, develop them over time and field a good product on the field. And if you're Washington state, that's kind of what you, that's all you're going to ask for.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they are. And, and they got in Brian Ward from Nevada as the new defensive coordinator. Dickert is not planning to continue to call plays, but he went out and got one of the better DCs from the Mountain West to come in. Uh, somebody whose defense he's really familiar with Brian Ward really turned around Nevada's defense, which really fell off a cliff. I think this, I think this could really work, you know, defensively where they're able to keep it up. They weren't great against the run 60 and effective rush, but they made up for it against the pass. number 12 and effective pass. They were pretty good in coverage, not great, but they were really good at getting pressure and sending pressure from interesting places. So I I think the, I think where they're at, they might have the potential to continue to grow and develop guys into the system. They run, they're still, I mean, they're still going to be vulnerable against teams that have you know, are, uh, just a lot better than them, right. Like are able to, to line up with better players, um, you know, and, and that also, you know, are able to execute and have great coaching. But, uh, I think the offense, you know, the, off- like if the defense for them can hang out here in the thirties, maybe get into the twenties, that's exceptional for, for Pullman.
0: The thing that makes me a little worried if I'm Washington state is I loved the way that Washington state, uh, played at least on the, on the defensive side, in the first half and in the first three quarters, I think there was times when that defense just got tired and and like, you, you kind of could see, you know, like you're playing mortal Kombat and like the energy bar keeps going down. <laughs> like, there's a couple games where it just, they didn't have the horses to stick with teams that were able to run an offense for four quarters. And so I, it, it would be really nice. And I think this is a long-term process to fill in the, you know, like the, those, the, the middle of your class that, you know, could develop into talent, like to really fill in those players and get a good cadence of uh, players that you can just keep, keep out there and, and and shuffle through to stay competitive on that side of the ball for four quarters. Um, so, you know, that that's, if, if Dickert can do that, given what he's been able to show the last two seasons I think Washington State can be in a pretty interesting spot. And man, wouldn't it be fun if Washington State you go in, you go into the Palouse, it's cold, and now you got to face this defense that's gonna like hit you in the face like that. That's pretty. That's a cool identity if you're Washington State. Plus, you have the air raid. Yeah, absolutely. I
1: mean, and, and they're you know they do to have depth issues. You know, they still have to get, and that's a tough one, right? Like Washington State, you might be able to go through and with your recruiting be able to get, you know, 11, maybe 12, <laughs> 14, maybe 15 guys that you're really comfortable out there having on the field and can really perform at a good level. Um but getting, you know, the kind of depth that you may want, you know, across the defense is going to be harder. Um, you know, for them and and they re- that's something they certainly need to work on cuz uh, look, like in if a defense has depth, they're not going to get you do have to sub out more on the defensive line than you do on the offensive line you just run you run more on the defensive line um and so you you absolutely have to be able to have the depth and and to be able to to sub in and out and that's something they're gonna have to work on
0: yeah and like one of the things that i try to avoid right we're not a recruiting podcast um but we also don't say that stars don't matter because, you know, at the end of the day, being able to hit on a number of players that you can get into your system to give that depth, right? You're going to miss on some – like a good example for Washington State is uh, Travel Harris was the lowest rated commit that they had in, in the class that he was in as a freshman. And holy Moses, that guy's awesome. But like, so you, you, there's two things, right? It's the depth and, like, just the pure percentage-wise of players that come in. You know, if, like, if they've been scouted as being pretty decent, then there's a higher percentage that that person is decent – And then when you, when you put the staff on top of it that can develop players, um, I think that's when you have something cooking. And when you're a program like Washington state, you need both. Um, and, and when you have both, you're in really good shape when you have one or the other, you can be pretty competitive and make a bowl. Um, I'm just, I'm, I, uh, like, are you optimistic about Washington state next year? I I think they probably are around where we have them now. Is that, is that like a fair knee jerk assessment? Where, Where do you think that they fall next year?
1: we've got him at 33. There's a, there's a chance like the projection model is going to look at it and, you know, depending on what their returning production is, that kind of thing. Um, it may not love it. I don't think they'll end up projected any lower than the forties. Um, I think they have a real shot to be like a top 25 team next year in beta rank. Like I I think they really like, I think offensively there's still headroom, right? I think if you think about the, the fact that you're right Delora. (laughs) Sometimes looked like he was, and look, really, for Delora too, like maybe getting out of the run and shoot will be the best thing for him because, like, you really got to, like, and it only worked with him in there. I mean, it's not like it was like, but you know, like maybe not having everything be an option out will be better for him. Um, but the, you know, they mostly worked, and I think they had some good players that shined out. You know and uh, in it, and I think it's gonna the transition back to the air raid should work pretty well for them. They're gonna have um, a fall to do it. A lot of players are still gonna be comfortable and know it too from having been coached in most of the like a lot of it before um, when the, you know because a lot of this roster is still gonna both from Covid year and you know are and guys transferring in who know the air raid are gonna be familiar with yeah. everything. So I think the learning curve should be low. Look, I'm not going to say like, you know, but I mean, if you think about like some of those leech teams, that were pretty good at the end. The ones with, um, Minshew and then, Who's the? I'm forgetting the quarterback the next year. He was even more fun, Anthony Gordon. Gordon. Oh yeah. my God, he was fun. Anthony Gordon, like I could go, <laughs> I I could just go back and watch like highlight throws from Anthony Gordon, because that guy just threw like Minshew was all checkdowns, like high efficiency, and Gordon was like nothing but bombs. Like that dude was just all explosive plays. But I I mean like I don't think we should expect this. This doesn't have to be like those leech teams that are really carried by the offense because the defense was just wandering in the wilderness bad. I mean, really, if you can combine, if they can keep this defense and I think they have a really good shot to stay somewhere in the thirties, right? Like if they can get an offense, that's maybe up until like the 25s ish, you know, they're potent. And the special teams have been really good for the past couple of seasons. I think you really are potentially talking like a fringy top 25 team that has a shot to be like a dark horse in the North. Uh, God knows what Washington looks like, you know, Oregon, there could be growing pains, you know, like if Washington state's well coached and has it kind of put together, you could see it make a run and they would probably need some luck and things to break their way. I'm not, I'm not projecting Washington state as some sort of juggernaut, <laughs> but um, I think they should be a really fun team that like, I think that they have, with this staff and with ward coming in, I think there's some real upside.
0: I, I disagree a little bit. Like I don't vehemently disagree. I think that this team, if it gets back to 30, see Bader rank has it at 33. I would be impressed if they got back to 33, given all of the pieces that they're losing and the fact that they're going to have to start filling some spots. And it's not like the recruiting has been excellent. And in fact, it's been like kind of subpar given, you know, given the rest of the conference um it's i mean if the coach gets them back to where they are now whole oh, man I mean, that'd be really really good i do think that like yeah. you mentioned the offense could be better because of the quarterback but i just need to see the skill players and i'm not there i'm not ready to say that they can get there given the skill players are losing and then on the defense they're losing a lot of seniors and like a lot of uh, i think they're losing some decent experience there so it's going to be up to the coaches to get them to back to the that low 30s spot uh, but I, I like i still think that over time this team is going to be very formidable and i think the coaching staff that they have in place is really interesting so i'm, I'm like long-term bullish on them and then if you look at their schedule they could certainly go to a bowl they have idaho they do have colorado yeah. state but they have them at home you know and like to your point rob the the north is a little bit of a crapshoot right now They they play cal they play oregon state um, they play Stanford. Oh, yeah.
1: We're going to go see these knuckleheads uh, when they play at Wisconsin. Oh,
0: I'm so excited about that. Yeah. That, I, that, <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be so good. <laughs> Love Madison. Um, and then they get the Arizona schools so right yeah. you have a you possibly a struggling um arizona state that is still trying to fill in holes and then arizona like they're gonna be better but they're probably still gonna win like four games max like you know right. this isn't yeah. a team that's gonna yeah. be can be so know, and, if, if, J-
1: if Jedfish fish is able to like get a 400 percent increase in wins th- that's a that's a good year for arizona
0: oh yeah absolutely um and then you have the apple cup right that's ceiling for for Washington State's probably eight wins I do think that it's going to be like that seven and six where they uh you know where they get to a bowl again which I think would be great and probably not the talent to win the bowl but but we'll see I mean like if you're a Washington State fan you're looking at this given all the stuff that happened last year that's pretty darn good and it's so funny because our Oregon State podcast we were we were more negative but because we think that the ceiling is higher for Oregon State if they if they take a few more steps with with this Washington State team i think that they've taken the steps that they need institutionally right they have the defense already the offensive coordinator yeah. they got was interesting they have a quarterback you know they're going to have a very defined system and if you're Washington State like i think you got to be pretty excited about um the fact that your team is going to at the worst i think be like a 500 team and at best can be a team that's like you know trying to get back to the sun bowl or get to the alamo bowl or uh, maybe take advantage of some of these down teams in the conference to to kind of claw their way up higher than they normally would to, to punch above their weight yeah
1: i mean, I, I mean like uh, and I, but i, I do want to say like with washington state it's it is a little different right than like we're we're a little bit negative about oregon state i think partly because we just love Jonathan Smith. I, at least I like love Jonathan Smith so much and what he's been able to do there. As far as like the story goes and everything, I just like Smith, Smith needed to make a difference. Like he needed to go out and hire an outside defensive coordinator, right? He needs to go out and get himself a quarterback. I feel like Washington state was already in a little bit of a better position, you know, like certainly with the defense, And then they did like, they made some moves that you like, you know, like that was the thing about Oregon state is like, you want them to take the next step, the next step. They've come so far, but you look at the moves that they needed to make and they're just not there. Right. It was Washington state. Like you look at the moves they kind of needed to make, and you are like, Oh, well that has some upside, right? Like Ward has upside. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and the offense potentially. Has, I mean, I'm not talking about them being again, like a top 10 offense again, but like, I think they've got upside, like I could see them sneak into the top 20. Yeah. Um, and that that's where Washington well, state, like if they're able to hold cause it's not as if, I mean, I think they are losing some really, like you talked about experienced players on that defense, but they're not losing anyone. That's like a Devin Lloyd, like all pack 12, <laughs> Type performer, like there's nobody in there where you're like that person's totally your. Pl-. I mean, it was a bunch of guys that knew their job, yeah, right in the system. Um, and it's just a matter of, like, and uh, I, I guess I think like, you know, Dicker taught one group of guys to do it, and it's, it's. I, I think he and Ward, um, gosh, it's annoying that the defensive coordinator and the quarterback that they brought in in the same year, (laughs) the same (laughs) last name, but Brian Ward, I think that they can, I think they can put something together. Look, maybe they do fall back a little bit, but I don't think they fall back hard. Right. Like, Um, I don't think this is suddenly we're talking about Washington state's defense in the nineties or something like that. Again, like they were in the last year's leech. I think you're talking about a defense that might be like in the forties. And then like, as they potentially like season in some guys have some real upside. Like I just, I think this is, like I said, like, I think for Washington state, like you look at the staff that you've ended up with and the situation you're in and you're like, that's not bad, right? Like there, and you might even like it more than you were, where you were with roll given the way everything shook out. Look, and all this could blow up. Like cam cam ward gets injured yeah. and the offense doesn't click and they're in trouble <laughs> or they don't have the wide receivers um you know and they really do miss everybody on the defensive line and it could go south in a hurry um but you know like at the moment you know like you look at the moves there's a lot to like
0: yeah yeah and if there's one side of the ball where you know you take a look at the all pack 12 and they had a lot of honorable mentions and they're all seniors like daniel Isom, the uh, they're both their defensive backs um you had, obviously, Jihad Woods, like we mentioned already. Jalen Watson, It's his game. All those plays. If you want him gone, I want him on the defense because that's where I trust the most right now. And and it's, it is possible. There's a world where... Washington State fields a top twenty-five offense again because of the quarterback that they brought in, which is again they're making their move. So, um, all right. So take heart, Washington State fans. Hopefully, our friend Ryan and his friends there are uh, uh, you know celebrating a possible return to glory, multiple bowl years in a row, which is always very fun as a program. So, um, Rob, where where do we want to go next next week?
1: Should we do a South team? Do you want to do? I do. We can't do UCLA because they
0: don't even have a defensive coordinator. Yeah, that's true. <laughs>
1: um, I mean, I guess we can do Stanford or Cal.
0: Let's do Cal because I do think
1: Utah it's... or yeah, let's do Cal.
0: Yeah, right. I, I think that's the more interesting one. We maybe we make Stanford the last one and we just crap on them at like you know, and everybody's excited <laughs> for the beginning of the season while we're dumping on Stanford. <laughs> I mean, there, there's like
1: four Stanford listeners to this podcast, and I appreciate you
0: yeah very much and they they respond so you know like so yeah yeah, we we are very thankful that you know uh stay stay true hopefully there's a couple changes coming to that program but let's do cal because i do think that that team kind of like arizona like still played hard um at the end of the year given all like they've been wrecked by COVID for two straight years now it's been it's been pretty crazy so um curious to see what wilcox has next year um yeah, okay, let's let's hit pause for there. Uh, everybody thanks for tuning in. Sharpcollegefootball.com, you can check all your team scores. I was actually as we were doing this podcast going through like the deep dive and like the the program tracker for Washington State where you could year by year see where they've been um, and it's pretty cool If you're a Washington State fan, if you go onto the site, you can see the the defense went from like 84 to 86 to 70 to 60 to 35. Like it's, you could just see that trajectory go up, which is what you want. So um, definitely check that site out. Anything else to plug, Rob? No, that's it. All right. Well, thanks everybody for tuning in and we will catch you next week.